sucking on my London. Hey, hey, do the sucking day. Do tick, 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 tick. Goodbye and welcome to the 3T RPG podcast. My name is Harrison Hunt and with me is James Clark. Goodbye. Uh, today we've got a show for you ladies. It's going to be the, uh, and gentlemen, and other... Uh, Nondescript, n- toaster, you know, type people. Pop possums. Those two. Um, yeah, this is going to be the last one, probably for a long while. Maybe ever. We don't know. But we're going to get to that later. Going to talk about what we've been, like, what's going on. Why we need to stop doing the podcast, and it's basically your fault, listeners. Is the, is what we're saying, yeah. like, mainly, isn't it? I mean, mainly, it's, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, we are. But no, it is over. Seriously, um, but we're, that's going to be the main subject. Before that, we're going to do feedback. We're going to talk about what we've been playing and what you're saying. Then we're going to do the main subject. The podcast is over, and then we're going to go into electro letters. We've still got some of your listeners' RPGs, hot takes from last time, and some general questions about yeah, anime yeah. for some reason. Oh, that's quite good. All right, let's do some feedback. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch, the feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah, we take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. There was only one feedback here. Uh, Moda Hobo, he said, another episode without Sean. Get fucked. Well, this is another, (laughs) another episode without Sean. And also, from now on, it's going to be an episode without any of us. Yeah. So, so why don't you, suck you know, on that, count Carrie. your count your chickens before they you fuck them? Yeah, because it? then otherwise, um, you know, you don't know. You exactly. Um, right, that is it for feedback. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we go into what we've been playing? Yeah. Yeah. What you slaying? All right. So. Um, MCC campaign had to come to an end for similar reasons um, of the podcast. So I needed to, I needed to, we needed to end up wrapping it up. Well, you say, I'm going to cut in here straight away, right? Harrison says he needed to wrap it up, which yes, he did for the reasons that we're going to go into in the main subject. However, I will point out immediately that, um, and also a comment I made um, to like the, the guys as well afterwards, it couldn't have felt more natural because of everything that happened. In the entire session, there was a, a, a way that you guys could have wrapped up quite easily that almost came to you, yeah. and that was due large in part to a lot of randomness that happened. Oh, um, yeah, there's a lot, lot of randomness slash luck. Good luck, yeah, really. Um, so yeah, it, the, the whole uh, point of the MCC campaign is it's like 12,000 years after an apocalyptic event, mutants. Uh, have become the sort of main humanity type species on the planet and um, the tribe that the players belong to is the last and only one as far as they were aware right yeah but um, uh, they worship the ancient ones which is like us from now right and like so anything like a computer or a CD anything like that can be like an artifact of the ancient ones but they also their god is this ancient computer called the Aldebaoth which lives underneath the planet Terra AD that they live on right but the trouble is there's all these old robot things giant robots called arch- archangels or archons that, uh, that, that sort of guard over all the old uh, 
what would you call them? Oh, They're not dungeons. Areas of civilization. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And for some reason, though those are supposed to protect humanity and stop the things in the wild from attacking them, balance nature with humanity and let it thrive, what they've been doing instead is killing humanity. Yeah. Just straight up doing some murder hobo. And it ends, yeah, so but it's the reverse though, because I did it. The GM's doing it this yeah. time. I kill everything. <laughs> so um, the but and that also means that things in the wild have uh, well, they've been allowed to prosper. Things that are very very deadly. And the PCs, the campaign sort of eventually ended up with the player characters trying to investigate why the angels have been doing this shit and all of this. And um, just out of sheer chance, right? So there was this other character, and I know I'm an idiot, ladies and gentlemen, but there's this other character called Defobo Cop. Yeah. Who was essentially, he was part of another tribe called the Gene Police, and these, like, they kill mutants, that's what they do. And uh, he, he was coming to kill the guys, and uh, he, he, at the same time when they were fighting one of these archangels. Now, I rolled randomly for who the archangel was going to hit, because unbeknownst to the players... Him, the Archangel and Defobo Cop, who is basically Willem Defoe if he was Robocop, um, they were. <laughs> well, okay, I had to explain that. Yeah, well, yeah, no, just in case, just in case. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, basically, they, they, they were not working together. So in the middle of the fight, I roll randomly to see who gets hit, and Defobo Cop gets hit by the Archangel. Oh, yeah, he gets fucked up. Suddenly, he realizes that the order that he's been given to, st- to kill humanity, there's the, the Yalda Bayoth, the computer that controls all of the machines who's their god right he there must be something wrong with him because mm. suddenly he's getting attacked by one of the archangels who should be his mate so he joined the party for a bit um now knowing that that was the case and at a certain point he, he let it slip that he'd met god once yeah and also during this entire time of him sort of playing along with us not playing along but joining our team and you know trying to bring us around to the idea that he's actually trying to help us now, even though he was trying to kill us earlier. Um, he, he he said that he was uh, basically having an internal struggle the entire time with himself to um, bring, to just yeah, to keep killing this. you. Yeah, because yeah, he, was, he was just like, well, that's weird. A month ago, God had told him to protect humanity. Now he's saying to kill only the ones that can mutate, yeah. which is weird because before he saw him as part of humanity. So it's like, he knows something's up, right? Anyway, long story short is that actually, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it a bit because the um, we did the level two adventure into the glowing depths by Michael Clertis, I think <laughs> is his name, isn't it? <laughs> I think. Anyway, this level two adventure is one of the hardest MCC slash DCC adventures we've ever done. Right? Oh yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty nasty. Yeah, yeah, stupid as fuck. I mean, and 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 the thing is, um, I. Essentially, what it is is that players get summoned to this place called Tiamat Station. It's run by a, a psychic bit of coral that looks like a brain uh, underneath the sea. Like so far down that, should they go out of it, they would just die instantly, right? And um, once they get there, uh, this thing's giving them all sorts of orders, telling them that they need to kill this other tribe called Oceanus that lived even deeper down the ocean. With no evidence or no shred of anything, only the threat of uh, her saying dying. Yeah, she because they she's called Cheshmi, and she's like, "Well, look, just go. You have to kill that tribe, and if you don't do it, I'm just going to kill you." And they yeah, were, because and she managed character. to um, she managed to not only just be have psychic abilities to communicate with us, but some kind of telekinesis as well, because she could um, control certain um, parts of this. Well, do, do you know? Do you know what that was? So, all it was was that there is a 
in one of the rooms, and it's one that you guys went into and you met her, there's a dead bloke um, who, well, not, he's like almost dead, basically oh, brain so dead. She's... And he's, he's uh, like um, folded over one of the console tables. On and off switch kind of Yeah, deal. so she can, she can psychically communicate with him and then he sort of activates shit on the console. But that's why there's a bit in the book that says, oh, if you, if any of the players are trying to move the body to use the console, then she reacts really badly to it. She's like, don't do that kind of thing. But, uh, but anyway, cool detail, I thought. That is pretty awesome. So they need to go and get a key card to then go to a, a lower level to go and get some dynamite. And uh, yeah, and, and, and then off. But they, first of all, they needed to get the power back online. And uh, you get attacked by a giant fish that can basically kill you in one. Yeah. And also it's like... There's a, there's a class in MCC called Manimals, right? And they, they can obviously use mutations, which can be very powerful. <laughs> and yeah. the trouble is, is that the first Manimals these guys ever fought, or the first mutants you guys ever fought, were uh, from the Oceanus tribe. Just as these guys were about to dunk the fucking whole city that they live in with dynamite, the... Um, they met a bunch of them and one of them and, and it's clear that they tried to balance the adventure by giving some of these animals the weaker powers right but it's one of those anglerfish with the lights on their heads oh yeah and it's got the light power which you think oh well that's not that bad but uh well, if you look at the table entry yeah if you get the highest result there's something very different there yeah. really um because the guy's got blinded for f- something like eight hours or something like that yeah one of you for four but some of you for eight yeah because you saved to half and yes. I just basically said, I said, well, look, the adventure's over, right? They're going to, they, they, they probably should kill you, but I'll throw you a bone and I'll say you get captured. Um, so all the players, uh, all the characters ended up dying, uh, including the Phobocop. James's character then snatched up the Phobocop's hard drive to, you know, because that would be handy. But uh, you killed a city of about a thousand people by using electrical generation, mutant power underwater. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty sick. Like, um, it was good. That was that was pretty. pretty it was good, but the the jury was still out at that time as to whether or not that tribe was innocent. Yeah, we didn't. I don't. Well, you didn't really have much of a choice. No, we didn't have much of a choice, and it was like the only way to um, completely survive. And we had been, um, we're basically about to be executed anyway. because of how we ended up in the city and what we'd done to um, other people beforehand. Yeah, it was it was literally you you pulled out this move at the point where you were going to be executed. Yeah, it was a fight or flight response, and then I killed a whole city. So um, yeah, managed to get one of the other players back, who was a mold man named Dank, and we managed to get him back because there was a sort of cloning ish station on Tiamat when they went back to well, Tiamat considering station. Considering she's. Um, bit coral which is like plant life-ish yeah then uh and then it had yeah the the ability to sort of regenerate some bits but the trouble is what happens to what happens to a plantium when they lose all of the, their mutations because essentially he got reborn but not any mutations yeah so the he just had he just turned back into normal mold yeah so james then had to sort of he he well he irradiated uh dank again and made him back into a mutant yeah, which was nice, but the trouble is, is that um, he lost yeah. some some wicked cool powers. What was it? Molecular integration was the best one because it was it was a healing was ability, healing but you ability. could also uh, repair things and return them to a state that they were in a month ago and things like this. Yeah, so, so as long as you had something within a, a determined by a role, you could 
uh, restore something to a previous moment in time. By... And to give to give a bit of context, most of the fights as these guys were going through Tiamat Station, Sean's character was doing good hits and stuff, but he was getting muck, mucking in right with the combat. He would die, then he Dank would use the mele- molecular integration and revive him to a point six seconds ago yeah. and then just keep doing that so Sean's character because I said as well I was like well presumably if you're the state you were in six seconds ago you'd also be standing up Yeah. so it was like it was just a case of Sean going down getting up and into a combat ready position over and over again it's quite funny because Sean had um, a very large number of times been um, basically defibrillated by me and suffered the penalty of having his stamina uh, stats decreased amongst others uh, during the journey. So his character was pretty um, he was, he was, bunged up. He's lost a lot of stats. He's been through the wars. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, yeah, you could... Um, JT had the ability to actually restore him back to when he had a lot of his attributes at a higher level. But that would have meant that particular mutations and gear... Um, yeah, I mean, you really have to use it carefully. Be not there, so we had to think. But it was. Uh, on I the spot. mean, the thing is, it sounds broken, but you do always run the risk of losing the mutation and replacing it with the defect if you roll badly and shit like this, right? So it was like it was. But and again, he died pretty terribly. Oh, yeah. uh, so I think it's it's not a balanced game. Mutations are extremely powerful, but the thing is, is that. Um, it's also not a balanced game, so it just means that you can just die, even if you're really fucking powerful. Yeah. What was sad was that Sean had just got his character temporary invulnerability, and if he that used was... enough luck, he could withstand a nuclear blast. Yeah. So the and, and it ended up just he his actions he just did them in the wrong order when you guys were captured. He grew to an immense size because he had the amplimorph ability to break out of his chains. And then tried to use temporary invulnerability, but by the time he broken out, that's when I said roll initiative. He lost yeah. initiative. He got shot. End of story. Yeah. And it was just like if you'd have just done the invulnerability first, everything would have been ended up different. But yeah, so that adventure being a level two adventure is insane. It's it's a good laugh, is what it is. It's well, a funny considering joke. Considering I'm pretty certain. Yeah, I was level four. Yeah. During that. So I was actually level four during that adventure, um, as was Sean, and JT's new character was um, also uh, who, who was level two or three at the time. So grabbing a beer, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, so we had we had a, t- a level two, a level three, a level four, right? Is that right? And uh, yeah, still absolutely fucky. But there we go. Um, still, the whole point of it, uh, what they ended up getting was some XP or technically killing a thousand people in this game only counts as one encounter you know too bad too sad <laughs> um, and they got um, the Phobocop's hard drive with the supposed meeting of God on there and they got use of Tiamat station although the woman that runs it is a complete bitch that nobody liked that forced them into killing a bunch of people they didn't want to and yeah. uh, so that was basically i mean so their reward for the mission was basically to continue being alive pretty much but well, the, not all of you the only, yeah the only kind of reward that there was like a glimmer of was just having the ability to reproduce uh dank into... that's a good point yeah because you could use the facilities on TMS yeah. station but um so did that and then had to um sort of make our way 
home. Back at home. And Sean's new character, he decided to go for a shaman. So a non... Well, technically, all characters in MCC are mutants, right? But there are pure strain humans who... Their mutations, they don't get mutations. Mm. So he decided to go for a shaman. And they can use wetware programs and they have a patron. So they can call on their god at any point. Uh, albeit with some consequences and get cool powers so he went for Mangala planetary defense system so it's all combat based stuff he could generate a laser sword out of thin air and things like this and um, yeah and he his new character was that he's a shaman sent from another neighboring planet uh, by Mangala to help with the angel crisis now the reason that Mangala didn't um, intervene directly is because there was a war going on on their planet so he sent what he could spare which happened to be one guy and a cache of weapons which I think is a cool way to come into the campaign so Sean's character Silicius then had to accompany these guys back home where they were going to take the hard drive to their tribe leader who was a robot so that they could view its contents and yeah so I did a random table of all of the possible encounters in MCC from the book and it was great. The last session, we ended up we ended up actually getting the final boss encounter needed to uh, have faced every single what I would say boss monster in MCC. Um, <laughs> and t- what was it? Twice there's this one that's basically Mothra called uh, Evox, that, and that, that ca- that's come up three times now. Uh, no, it's actually come up four times, I think. <laughs> I mean that is really unlucky. <laughs> um, they legged it and hid. Basically, we got the ether squid, is a giant sort of Cthulhu type squid that that descends from the sky. Managed to kill it using molecular disruption, which Dank now has. So he deleted fifteen percent of his mat of the ether squid's matter. Yeah, but described it in a way that basically cut it in half. Yeah, so they dealt with that pretty well, actually. Uh, actually, actually. What was and cool then there was, was a, just a horde of apes. Oh no, no, sorry. it was. A, it could have been a horde. But you're old, good. So yeah. it's just one, one, one albino ape, um, and Sean. At a certain point, because I had locations on these tables as well for the encounters, and uh, they would search locations for artifacts, the ancient ones. And one of the tools I would use is a hun- 100 weird widgets by 3T RPG podcast going by now. Good product. Um, <laughs> you roll a D100 and you get something usually, usually quite useless and humorous. Yeah. But the, you, the clever player might find something useful for. But in this case, Sean got the one man hover car, which he quickly modified by putting two sort of wings on the side of it oh, yeah. and office chairs for the other two players to sit on. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, the going home was basically them driving most of the way. Uh, so, it really sped up our journey. It, it was made good. It really efficient, which was like one of the biggest. Um, well, that's the bit, the biggest reason I would say that we managed to c- complete the story last session. Yeah. It just wouldn't happen otherwise. Um, yeah, so yeah they, it was, it was skipped a lot of time, basically. But, I mean, d- we mustn't gloss over the fact that we, during that time, still had an unbelievable amount of encounters to deal with. And some of which didn't go terribly well, because like you mentioned, the albino ape. Um, he had put, the uh, goat spiders twice. Yeah, you had the goat spiders twice. That's disgusting. James is afraid of spiders. Are you afraid of goats? Because that would be like your worst nightmare, right? Nah, I mean, the good. artwork is pretty gross. Yeah, they're ugly as hell, man. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I said to Sean, well, I said to you lot that 
um, the way I sort of acted them out was that it was painful for them to be alive because they were just like <laughs> and um, just screeching. It was a particularly grim scene with you guys floating the hover car over a river. Although this was later, and the spider goats uh, were sort of roaming, looking around, all screaming and horrific. <laughs> and then obviously uh, you rolled on the locations table, and it was a uh, what was it? Population control camp. So it was just like reams and reams and piles of dead bodies. Yeah, good times. Um. Yeah, but anyway, they got back and they discovered that, yes, the Phobacop had indeed met the Elderbeoth, but the Elderbeoth didn't sound like an all-powerful god. He sounded like a deeply flawed individual that that really doesn't have a handle on the very things he created. Yep. And uh, there were some clues in there as to where they needed to go. So, um, because I'm a twat, uh, it was always very, very near the starting location because I kind of wanted it to be this sort of like, oh, my God, we could have just gone there from session one type thing. Yeah. But... um. Yeah, so they they had to go into this mountain and 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 fight God, and essentially through basic very normal logic, because he's a machine, right? So the players are immediately like, he's he's a machine that is a hundred feet tall and looks has the body of a snake and the head of a lion, and so the PC's like, hang on, you're a machine, so someone made you, and he's like, yes, that is not the point. I am the only God. Yeah. Like, no, wait a minute. So I am the creator, and I was like, but you got created, man. <laughs> Your name is Ted, isn't it? <laughs> James's character is Mexican, um, but yeah, yeah, and so it ended. Um, it ended with them sort of like really annoying him. He gave you a minute to speak, and yeah. you hit him with all sorts of logic. Logic that when you think about it for only a second, he he even realised he wasn't God. Like he's got a lot of powers, but he's not God. Um, Sean was sent to uh, Sean's character was sent to their planet with something called the Continuum Transfunctioner, which opens sort of a black hole kind of it's more of a black hole that goes between different dimensions so in in this campaign although it almost never came up you had the material you had extraterrestrial space which is space and then super terrestrial space which is above that so it teleports you from material to super terrestrial space uh using a sort of black hole like thing and um I just I just gave it to Sean thinking, look, he's not going to know what to do with this. And at one point, he almost used it on another random encounter, right? Yeah, he did. He did. He was like, oh, I think it's time. But um, fortunately... Um, we found another way around it. We found you... a very, very good way around it. Um, mm. Although it was the, it was the uh, squ- uh, squid bitch. It was the squid. Yeah, yeah. And he almost used it on that. Used it on the, uh, on the last boss, which was... I don't know. Uh, I don't want to say it's clever, but it was like it's good that he saved it for something truly meaningful. Oh well, yeah, and it kind of it was uh, absolutely just unbelievable, just because obviously there was almost no chance of us winning. No, I mean it was really stacked against you, and and things really got pretty difficult pretty early on. So mm. there was one thing that you. Well, every time they, these guys killed an angel, they got a new mutation, right? And it was making the characters more and more powerful. But as the campaign went on, where mutations got lost, new ones got gained, the ending, although you could have gone there straight away and faced the Outer Bay off at any point, right? If you somehow were lucky enough to, the um, you the how powerful you are is really not that reliable in MCC because no, 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 it's, it's like you were level 5 by the end and yeah you were really fucking powerful especially with the because you're adding your level to your well, mutation I ended checks. up accidentally becoming the generator because I had light gas generation, yeah, yeah light gas electrical um, ice and um, yeah cryokinesis so yeah basically ice generation 
yeah and anyway so so what happens is with the continuum transfunctioner it, it it yeah it teleports everyone within a mile range up to the um super terrestrial space where the actual god lives who created the elder Baal to make the material realm so he did it and he did do it but he was made by someone else to do it and then was just incredibly flawed individual. So the guys um, ended up going to super terrestrial space and being granted power by God to regenerate the world quicker because until all of this stuff had happened, she just assumed that, oh, well, things are ticking over all right. I made it. It must be perfect and this and the other. So we um, did, yeah, we did a jump cut 10,000 years in the future with um, your character and Sean's character becoming, what I forget what they call it, but from 2001 A Space Odyssey, it's sort of Star Baby or something like this. Yeah. And, and you basically became some... a seed of creation. That's the whole thing. But yeah. And, yeah, I like the way it was described because it just went, oh, you kind of just see this and then played an ex- excerpt from the film. <laughs> yeah, and just then, an easier reference. Yeah. And so I was going like... to edit it. Um, because you know in the, in the end of 2001 a space odyssey it's basically what i've just described is the very thing that happens and it, he's warping through all these weird fucking domains and shit and i was going to edit it so that you know the bit with his the, where it shows his face yeah. looking at this i was going to edit it so it was the, those bits of artwork of your characters oh, just really? just like shaking like that's that. so funny. well I, obviously i never had fucking time but yeah um yeah i'll say it's really good the description as well in terms of how um how long it was taking he said well you you're basically staring at this happening for what could be between three seconds or um ten thousand years and you're just like what and then i liked it that sean heard that description he's like right uh like before we go like can i say goodbye to my dad or something like this and i was like sean it's been ten thousand years mate yeah it's but, already been <laughs> yeah and um yeah so we end, the end scene was that the, these guys see a, a glimpse of the future having become that seed of creation and then the world sort of rebuilding itself and they see people like them like uh, a lot of plantians uh, for long-winded reasons i won't get into but a lot of animals mutants things like this but just living very ordinary lives like going yeah. on the subway work to, to work like generally happier than a sort of apocalyptic greenhouse effect type world but yeah <laughs> um and yeah so that's where we left it and i think in the future i might end up doing a sequel to it we're using the exact mcc rules but set in a modern environment because then it could basically be x-men and it would be fucking awesome yeah yeah Yeah, it was awesome it was a really 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 good um well-rounded ending you know like we spoke about it a few podcasts ago um it it did actually naturally come to the conclusion because of the efficiency the good roles and the luck that was on our side well yeah because the only reason you ended up getting that hard drive because the the, the cop was never meant to go over to your side no he, but he realized be because of that one random event that happened to him he himself was a random encounter mm. right that where you ended up was all through your choice it was random whether or not he was going to turn up he did it was random that he got hit by her and then he realized and i was like well he's gonna go and join them but and and then that essentially led to the campaign being able to be ended earlier you might not have got it but i i gently suggested a couple of things before the session anyway but um yeah i don't know I, I, i liked the ending it was only an 11 episode campaign in the end but i know that from experience if you hang up a campaign halfway through you just never go back to it because you're going to go back to what is new and exciting aren't you and and i thought well we at the very least we're going to wrap it up in some manner even if it means i leave it on a cliffhanger that never gets resolved but like some conclusion to something yeah and i think there was a really good conclusion and the fact that you know he said potentially you could just pick it up 
from the new future version of it. That'd be yeah, I mean, that would be hella fun. Yeah. I would love that. Because I think it would be cool just like maybe crank characters that are like... Maybe not mutations are not illegal per se, as in, in X-Men, but like an elite fighting team or or maybe just a really mundane world. But you've got... Let's say if your character, obviously he's like in the god realm now, but like let's say if it was him with all of his generation skills and he's having to work like an office job or something. Yeah, or he's, yeah, he's like you, there. like instead of flicking paper triangles, you're generating snowballs in your hand to throw them at the back of your colleagues' heads and things like this. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be quite fun. Or like electrical generation be like oh, I gotta go home my computer's fried boss <laughs> um, yeah so that's that's MCC I, I, I'm glad you enjoyed it man and, and it, I absolutely loved the game system I don't think I've ever played anything else like it especially because characters mutant characters which is what everyone went for yeah. are, they're very unstable and that was part of the fun because characters reach god levels of fucking power for a couple of sessions then had it taken away and then would get another power that would completely change everything I mean Sean's character he wanted to be a tank but he started out as not that at all then became one then died he ended up becoming almost all of the Fantastic Four at once yeah yeah, yeah because totally. he had the he really stretchability did. like the hard skin technically because of his ability to get large and all that stuff mm. then he had the invulnerability uh towards the end it's a very good point um, i never thought about it that way yeah so so that was uh that was awesome I, I, it's a shame that um i mean it's great that for instance my character survived and um sean's character survived so long um but it was uh in talking about how the players and and you know in that world gets to particular like godlike levels for a very short amount of time it was like really early on when i had the flight ability it was that was that was like your bread and butter that's yeah, what you did you flew around that. and you chucked electricity and then when that kind of like the it's i think that i've never played a campaign with more highs and lows than i have this one <laughs> there were there were points where we were uh, where the players were like we're incredible nothing can stop us it's, and then there were points the where it was like, like oh my god what are we gonna do you know, i actually like, think feel like it is a really good system um to show power gamers that they cannot power it's a it's a game it's a system that power gamers cannot power game in and uh, yeah, because because really, if you yeah, if you're doing it all randomly, yeah, I agree, I agree. Because even even when you there was somebody that could withstand a nuclear blast as long as they got the ability of yeah. just one light generation spell. Yeah. Oh, that's another one you had. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah and I'm in light as well. <laughs> that um, changed everything to the point where when James then got it as a mutation, where previously we would have been like light generate. Oh for fuck! But James, it, it, we literally looked at each other and nodded because we were like, yeah, that's a good fucking. That's yeah, a good mutation. Experience. It, yeah, it's really fucking good. But then uh, oh, I did use it in a stupid. I, I was way. just gonna say that. Fuck. The fucking go. Uh, no, what are they um bat. Bat. Par- par- piranha bats piranha bats fuck's sake James was using it he's like <laughs> I, <laughs> I was so excited I was like light generation I and then I was like you and there was eight of them and I was like you blind ten targets for 1d6 weeks or whatever and then and I was just like but these things don't have eyes because they're, they're bats they're already blind so you've done absolutely nothing to them just to they, rub it in further they can as well. see by sonar and so the they fact, keep on screeching and they're coming at you. And the funny thing as well is that even the artwork showed that they didn't have eyes. So I showed <laughs> it just to rub it in. What was great was because they really looked like Golbat from Pokemon. Yeah. And there was a point when I... I and then... <laughs> <laughs> fucking noise. But I, I, I said, I was like, yeah, you hear this sound cutting through the night. 
was on my phone. <laughs> Fucking JT, one of the players, he goes, um, he, he's like, if you're going to put the goal bat sound on. And I was like, you fucking cunt. Because <laughs> he just predicted it straight away. It was like... <laughs> I can't even do it justice. I'll just insert the sound here. <laughs> That's a bit better. <laughs> That's a bit better. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, that was MCC. Fucking awesome system. And I think you, if, if you can't tell, we really like it. And definitely... DCC would would be my preference because I like fantasy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But MCC is a game that feels well, like no other. I mean, aside from Gamma World, obviously, I'm not a fucking idiot. I feel like it actually allowed uh, the fantasy element because of all the mutations because they're all just like... They're basically they work the same as spells. Yeah, exactly. So if we just thought of them like that, then we got a fantasy fix already. Well, and the, and functionally, the game is very similar. Yeah. Um. You know, the, to play, but it's it's just the setting is so fucking weird. But yeah, I I do like I, I do like it. It's very good. But next up, we're going to be playing. Well, and and it's not really another post-apocalyptic thing because MCC is very much. Post, 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 post. Yeah, so we're going to be going back to Savage Fallout, Savaged Fallout next week, and Sean's going to be running us through that. Yeah, boy, it's what he's good at. Sean's done it very many times, and um, yeah. So we we know what to expect, but it's going to be a new campaign set in the California region, which Fallout One, the video game, is set in. So that should be a lot of fun. Mm. What's cool is the guy who made Savaged Fallout because there's several different versions there's two called Savage Fallout mm. one called Savaged and all of which are available for the Savage Worlds rule set but I for my money which is none because it's free uh, Savaged is the best one because I think it, it closely emulates the video games without trying to do exactly what the video games do instead it, it uses the Savage Worlds rule sets to give the same feel so it's not just going this is in the video game so it's in here it's like a lot better than that but yeah that's what we're going to play next and um I don't think it's available anywhere online anymore because the guy took it down from his blog, sadly. Um, oh. Well, it used to, it was a Google Drive link that now no longer works. So I assume he just maybe went on a deleting spree or just thought, well, this is inactive anymore. Luckily, Sean's got a copy on his hard drive. So uh, I think I might upload it somewhere so people can get it because it's free. And that's technically legal. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was free already. And it's just of an existing it property. Yeah, exactly. I might, well, what. Mm, no, I can't do that. I was going to suggest putting on our drive through RPG, but no, like, for free. Yeah, for free, but with a massive disclaimer. Just I'll saying. just put a disclaimer at the beginning, saying if you did do this, just let me know if you want me to take it down. Maybe something like that, because I do really do think people should play this because it's just the best. Definitely way better than that crappy Modifius one that is a mod for a skirmish game. Yeah. Yeah, I already came up with her character, and I know we usually do them together, but I was watching um, uh, uh, The Curse. It's by the mm. same people that did People Just Do Nothing. And there's a character in it who's a boxer with gigantism. And I've always <laughs> thought that that um, gigantism would be a cool hindrance to play, but they also, and this is probably deeply, deeply ableist, what I'm about to do, but they also have a very distinct voice, right? So... Um, and I, I, the character on this show I just think is one of the coolest characters so I was like well I need to be him but uh, yeah from, what's his name Andre the Giant from Princess Bride if you've ever seen that film uh, Jaws from James Bond but I'll talk a bit like this 
Well, that's how my character speaks. That's how, <laughs> Anyway, listen to the... Go and watch The Curse. I, that is a perfect impression. So I was just sort of like, well, he's a cool character. I'm basically going to do that in Fallout because he's, <laughs> he, he's amazing. Um, but he... Yeah, so I'm going to I'm gonna create a boxer. What what irked me a little bit was that one the other player, I was... Uh, she was like, JC, what character are you going to play? And he was like, a survivor, mate. I'm like, so you're playing generic Fallout character from the Fallout games then? <laughs> but he's called himself... De- like, I came up... Sean had a no pun name rule, right? Because we always tried to do it. It's become a meme within our group that we always tried to do it. And I said, my character's going to be called Radiation. And he was like, no, vetoing it. And I'm like, no, because I got fresh like, like a nuclear blast. Yeah, because that's his stage name. Yeah, his stage name, he's Raymond Briggs, but he's called Radiation because his fists hit like a nuclear blast. So suck it, Sean. So it was allowed because it had a good justification. Yeah. The other player, his character's named Dennis Dees. So that you can say suck on these nuts, and I was like, yeah, but he has to be like a nut salesman or something for that, or a repairman. Like he has a lot of nuts. Yeah, and he needs bolts. to have a reason for it other than it's like um, <sighs> it's like well, I once like, <laughs> like Paul Mafoskin or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, exactly. It's like um, Gary McCallum, lovely, lovely bloke. But all of the female <laughs> characters in his games are always called like Booberella or something like this, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a bit like that, isn't it? Like Paul Mafoskin. Yeah. Like if you were a circumcision doctor. Maybe. That'll be fine. <laughs> that would be alright. That'd be okay. Um but yeah, so I'm a bit I was a bit gutted about that. I think Sean because he's probably I've known you since we were babies. Yeah. You, so that, by therefore you've known Sean. So mm. when somebody has a shit idea, we could just say it to each other. Yeah. The trouble is that other player, we're close with him, but not quite at that well, level. Fortunately he I don't, he didn't actually say that to me though, did he? The D's not that that name. That name No, he just said, Oh, he's Dennis D's. Yeah, but because uh, well, we're doing session zero slash one uh, uh, next week, I'm just going to be like, nah, mate, that shit. Yeah, okay, good, good, good. I'll just do it. I'll just be like, oh, it's a bit of a weak name, isn't it? Yeah, yes. Because yeah. like the ones where, I mean, because uh, when we started, uh, I accidentally, oh, pardon me, I accidentally had some um, like fish-based names for no reason. It was just like, oh, yeah. It so, literally was for no reason. Yeah, then there was a, there was a couple, and then like, they were sort of allowed it. The, the guys allowed it, and it got to a point, and I was just like, it was so unnecessarily, I was just trying to find something that related to fish that I could name a character, but it had no, there's no there's substance. No, yeah, yeah, exactly, all. yeah. So it's just like, yeah, no, you got you got to stop that. And I was like, yeah, fine. Yeah, cool. And then it's all the hits. But your characters were good. It's yeah. just that it was such a pointless naming convention. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, well, uh, well, I accidentally used right to fish and then someone else was because it's, yeah, but I, yeah, I just think, yeah, I think Den- Dennis Dees is a really bad place to start. And I can't remember, there was, he came with one another time that, that was similar to that, where he, it was like Le- Paul Maforskin levels, like it was, it was like that. But I can't remember. But still, I'm excited to be playing more Fallout well, anyway. Think of, yeah, definitely. But I was just thinking about in character names, um, just like some of the old ones that we had, like the original one that we played when we were playing Pathfinder 3.5, and my character was called Asaurus. That was quite a yeah, but then it was it was one that was based on it was because you had clearly seen a dinosaur and then you just took part of the name. But it did sound like if you think about it, that does sound like an elven name. Yeah, if you if you understand 
for example, in that fantasy universe, they probably don't know what dinosaurs even are. Yeah. So it's just a, it's just a, a so it sound. sounded it, yeah, yeah in terms of actual actual name rather than dinosaur. I mean, I had I had a pretty bad one when I ran almost. I came dangerously close to running Call of Cthulhu for a bunch of people at work. But it's reasons like what I'm about to say that I ended up not doing it because because <laughs> one one guy came with a character whose name was Blake. Uh, I don't even know how to say it without sounding like I'm saying the thing. Knee. Blake, knee, as in your knee, and then gar, as in G-A-R. So it's Blake, knee, gar, as in black. So, yeah. Well, that that character that he actually made completely never ended up getting to any table. Oh, my Lord. You have me to thank for that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, So... Um, I've recently been playing, and this is—I just wanted to d- touch on this quickly. I don't want to—I don't want to go on for too long, but I wanted to just touch on a couple of games that, as a, a video games, that as a role player, I think come somewhat close to what it feels like to play a game at the table. And it's not none of those like D and D games or anything like this. But I've been playing because I bought an emulation device recent, re- recently. I bought it, and um, I've been playing Toki Meki Memorial. And there's another game that I really like called Princess Maker, and it's not what it sounds like, but the the I've been playing that game, and it reminded me of Princess Maker a lot. And I just wanted to give a bit of a shout out to these games here, because so Tokimeki Memorial is a life sim, and it's probably the first one of these ever where it's it's you're just playing a kid who goes to school, right? In Japan, clearly, because I'm a weeb, <laughs> and uh, it, the, the 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 whole game consists of taking turns planning your week and you sometimes get bonus activities depending on say for example if it's white day or a uh, labor day it's not a thing in japan i don't think but like things like this but you, are, you are, it's essentially planning to then ace exams uh do really well at school or make friends and get into relationships with high school girls, right? But bear in mind that it's not terrible to do because you're role playing as a high school boy, right? Yeah. And you're not. There's nothing sexy in it, so shut up, right? But the, I find these these are like very close to what I feel like decent when you have a, a role playing game with a very very good GM. What it's like, where it's like, do you really get into the point where you're like every decision? If you get into the character where every decision that you you're really really thinking about it and i finished my first playthrough of toki mecha memorial this afternoon and it was so fucking depressingly <laughs> close to what my actual school life was like <laughs> except for one major difference because i what happened was right there i joined the drama club really early on right as soon as i start school so you play through three school years and it takes about three hours four hours total right mm. and i joined the drama club and the whole point of the game is that, that w- one of the ways that you can win or one of the endings that you can get is if you end up with a girlfriend by the end of those three years you can also then you know become famous or get a job or go to university or whatever there's loads of endings but as soon as i joined the drama club there's this one girl that that comes up to me and is like i really like you i'm like cool right that's the romance option i'm gonna go for all the other girls in the game that are like well up for it and one bloke i ignore them completely right so for the first two years i i'm absolutely um smashing it right so i was doing well in all my exams because i planned it really well my character's fitness was at zero so again pretty much like me my <laughs> uh, and, and like my one funny thing is that if you do science a lot which was what i was doing your looks 
score actively goes down. So it's like oh, being nice. a nerd actively makes you uglier. But I guess it means it makes you less attractive to people. Yeah. I don't know. But the girl, this girl did, didn't care, right? So I was, I was acing out, I was doing all my exams. Get to the end of year two, right? And my best mate, Yosh- Yoshio, he gives me a call up. And he's, he's like, by the way, some rumors, some nasty rumors are going around school. And I'm like, where the fuck has this come from? And then suddenly I look at the the ratings of all the people I've met and they all hate me because I've been ignoring them by oh. trying to get really good grades. Then I, at a certain point, I called my girlfriend up and was like, okay, so uh, do you want to go to the cinema? She, she's like, no, slams the phone down. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, where does this come from? <laughs> and then I'm like, uh, so I have a look. It turns out that if you don't maintain a decent relationship with everyone you meet in the game, you end up they end up uh, bad-mouthing you to your girlfriend. She dumps you. So the very last thing that happened in the game was that because I, had, I spent most of my time at drama school and uh, drama club and, like, doing all of these things like uh, science and literature and trying to be a fucking chad in that regard, but my fitness was an all-time low, there's this big party right at the end of the game, right, where it happens at Christmas. I go up to the fucking place... And I walk up to the thing, and the guy's like, sorry, mate, you don't look nearly cool enough to come to this party. <laughs> so the woman, who I thought was my girlfriend, who's dumped me, and her score has gone right down to the bottom, is in this party. I spent Christmas alone, and then it says, but you became a famous stage actor. But the very last thing I see is that my character is um, sitting on his own, looking at a tiny Christmas tree, crying. And I was just like... Wow, I mean that's I mean it's so close to what actual school life is like, <laughs> but it ended up it ended up with me alone wondering about all the hot bitches at the party, and then um, yeah, just crying on my own, and I was just like, this is so depressing. But it, it, I got into it to such a degree where I was just like, well, uh, I think also because of what's been going on, I needed something to absorb myself into. Mm. But it's so immersive because the uh, every tiny decision that you make affects all the other things and I ended up like not knowing that how hard the game is to the point where I have to maintain relationships with like 18 people and you only get in the game one phone call a week with which to ask uh, you can either ask your mate how you're doing with everyone or you can ask somebody out on a date or you can use that day to do something productive right so it's like the game is so hard you that, get, is, that sounds like a lot of juggling. It's, a, it's like one of the... Like you can't even cycle it, I don't think. The amount of numbers that, that are going on and stats would give any D&D player a headache, basically. And also, the, the actual level to which you need to think about all of your decisions it came really close to playing a tabletop RPG. If you can stomach the, su- the subject matter... I think Tokimeki Memorial is really worth playing. And, of course, there's another game, uh, Princess Maker 2, which is not what it sounds like. It's a comedy game taking the piss out of those types of games. Like that. And um, that one is insane and also has dungeon crawls in it. And uh, what, is... Actual dungeon crawls? Yeah, yeah. So so <laughs> in, there's a version of Princess Maker 2 called Princess Maker 2 Revi- Re- Refine. The whole plot of it is that you aided a legendary knight in defeating the devil himself so the an angel gifts you with this girl that now has to live with you and you have to raise her and you have to care for her so it's sort of a joke on that whole concept it's like oh <laughs> fucking hell, i've been and she's really grumpy really horrible demands money all the time and your goal is to make her into something worthy hence the name and one of those things that you can do is become at night so you can go out and do dungeon crawls you can join fencing contests whatever I mean it's pretty stupid but it, just in terms of the similar experience where it's like okay well this is like 
that if you want to do anything worthwhile, you really have to think about it. And I think that I don't know, Turkey Mekin Memorial is really fun, but the subject matter will put a lot of people off because it's just about going to school and doing shit, and it's a life sim. But I just think it feels a lot like playing an RPG. That's all I want to say. It's quite good as well that it's basically a session long. Mm-hmm. So I think it's because it's so easy to fuck up. If it was anything longer, like that, I was literally when the third school year started, I was like. I am. This game is so easy. I'm fucking acing it, and then suddenly the rumors spread, and my whole life fell apart. And I was just like, "Well, this is cool." It's like I can't even manage that virtual life on top <laughs> of my own. It's like, oh god. Anyway, um, that is it for what we've been saying. Shall we do the main subject? By the main subject is by by who? It's by me, isn't it? Ah, oh, and me. Well, I wrote these three lines of notes here, so. And don't, no, I'll credit you. I'll credit you as well. Ah, oh, cheers. Main. Subject. Magic. Main. Subject. Tokyo. Main. Subject. 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 <laughs> right, so we're going to go into some um, some heavy topics here. I'm not going to try and dwell too much on it or sound like I'm, I'm moaning or anything like this. And we will go back to being silly in a minute, right? Because we're doing electro letters and we're going to do your RPG hot takes and also some questions about anime, yeah. which I know a lot of you will hate. Um, so, yeah, we're going to stop the podcast for a bit. Um, and I don't owe you an explanation. Sorry, electro letters. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so... Um, yeah, here's the dizzle. So, a lot of people will, will, a lot of people listening may or may not know that my wife has cystic fibrosis. And what's the one thing that everyone says about cystic fibrosis recently? It's like, oh, have you taken that new wonder drug that solves it and cures you and changes your life? Oh, uh, this is the thing that's kind of fucked me off as well because I've watched the season ten of Married at First Sight Australia, and there's someone with CF on it who literally keeps explaining that it's a miracle drug. Yes, it does allow for it's miracles amazing. to happen, and it is fantastic but i think put it in the wrong light in my opinion but i think what it was was that her the on married at first sight australia we've both been watching it yep uh the her her, her boyfriends and stuff as well were much different to what my wife's are yeah but she she also i think was trying to because he was worried that she would die soon after them getting married right mm. and i think that he, she was upselling how good the drug was so it's called tricafter in america Caftreo in england and it is very good. And to give an example, my wife's lung function was forty-two percent. So it means that would be like her oh, good only day, that. exactly. Yeah. And then it ended up with when she took it, going up to on a good day like ninety, right? Yeah. So, but the trouble is, while it, it, and it doesn't it doesn't cure anything. She still has to live with it day by day, and and had a lot of really tough, annoying times. Isn't its main um, purpose that drug to? Uh, get rid of the mucus sticking around the body it's a lot of things it's yeah. a lot of things but uh i mean if a good example is not all people with cf but when some people took it yeah they ended up having a massive purge of all of the mucus in the lungs and all of that and it just came out at once and all this black stuff and all of this so yeah it did happen for some people um and, and with millie it, it was it has changed her life right definitely there's no two ways about it well you had jesse Exactly, and yeah. and we there literally was an influx of people with CF having children because yeah. before Melly might not probably wouldn't have have survived it, the childbirth right, yeah. or at least they they, they she was or strongly advised against doing it by lots yeah. of doctors and it was the 
probably the contributing factor as to how she actually got pregnant as well. Oh yeah, uh, that and my um, powerful seed. <laughs> but um, yeah, so and 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 the reason I'm saying this, and I know that Millie would want me to say this, right? You know that too. She yeah. she likes people to know the details of things and know the real actual situation so she yes she did get that drug and it was life-changing it did make a big big difference but she was still on the highest um type of disability that you get in this country because the way disabilities are graded right she also um had a fungal infection which is something that that drug did not take away so in one of her lungs and that that was causing her lungs frequently to bleed right and of course, what comes with that is is that you have a, quite a, a significant risk of drowning, things like this. And the way that they operate on it is they do um, an embolization, right? So she's had so many of those to the point where... So what they do is they then, with the, the lung that has the fungal infection, they'll go in and they'll burn off blood vessels to stop them from, from, uh, from bleeding. Then the, the trouble is she'd had so many now that if she had one more of those embolizations then it would mean that the lung would just be completely starved of of blood right so it would just so we were at the point now where if she had another lung bleed that would mean that she would just die simple as that mm. um and the trouble is is that previously where the what had set off her lungs bleeding is her doing any strenuous activity but this time the last two she was simply just sitting on the couch watching tv so it really was like an actual significant risk and they ended up putting her on the transplant urgent national transplant list for a double lung transplant she's had it um but the unfortunate thing there were a lot of complications during surgery and i won't bore with the details because they really are quite extensive but the long and short of it is that even if she had just got the surgery and it went fine we're talking about minimum four months recovery and and during that there's no way i'm going to be able to do the do the podcast now with the complications in addition to this it turns out there's other stuff she's gonna have to recover from although she's not been properly conscious for about a week so we i don't know if you want me to share those extra details but let's just say it's gonna be a long process yeah, and I'm estimating long, six months minimum it's a probably a year recovery. Exactly. and the time is better spent um, you know well, with, I mean, it's, directed it, it, attention as well exactly and I'm just not going to have time to do this so that, that's, that's the end of it and um, a lot of her time is going to be spent in hospital during that time but it, it, it's still you know I've been there every day that I possibly can and uh, you know and I've got Jesse as well mm. so it's just you know it, it being at the moment just me and Jesse it's easier I could if I really tried on the days where I was at home maybe produce one of these episodes right yeah. but it's just not worth the fucking ha- I don't want to call it hassle because people like the show but do you know what I mean no, it's, it's just not worth too... trying to fit it in amongst everything else it's I just a bit ca- too... if I did it I'd wear myself out yeah, and I know the, that you get you know you're already kind of burning the candle at both ends and that will just well the, the, us more... recording now was a bit of a stretch <laughs> yeah yeah so you know we just happened to both be available so we were like well let's put something out We'll structure it like a normal episode and that, this and the other. Right, that's the end of that part, right? What does it mean for the show and the Patreon? I want to come back and do the do the podcast, right? And if 
we get the chance and I have the inspiration for a decent episode, we'll put something out. I've I I was hoping you'd say that because obviously um the hobby is a deep passion for all of us involved. We are gonna yeah, we're gonna continue playing. Yeah. Um uh, where where possible. Yeah. And you know, for now every every session has been at mine because yeah. I've got the baby and then you guys just come up here. So we're gonna keep that going somehow. Uh but yeah, just the the podcast I wanna I wanna keep it going somehow, but I reckon the updates I I'm not gonna, gonna be, promise anything. Yeah, they're gonna they if any updates basically if we find uh, inspiration and and a, a, a big enough reason to put an episode out if we decide that we can want to do a bonus for just because we've got time to do it and we feel and like idea, we yeah. could, we, it's easy for fluidity and also if there's no edit you just bung it out um then we're definitely we definitely will do it but the point is um harrison saying that we we or he rather because he pretty much writes every single one it's just not going to dedicate the same amount of time because he can't as he had before so yeah yeah i mean that's where it's at the the only thing is is that what i the, the one thing like i'm going to keep the patreon up right and it's not because i need financial or want to to do e-begging right i'm i'm a hundred percent knowing that that's going to just filter out and probably go down to nothing the reason it's going to remain up is because all the money all of it so I'm just going to hang on to it and use it to continue paying the hosting fees so that this podcast remains up and people can get it on iTunes. In addition to that, if anyone has any reliable ways for me to switch over the RSS feed on Apple Podcast Connect or anything like this, if anyone can offer any help to host it for free in a decent way, get in touch at 3trpgpod at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, the Patreon's going to stay up. I just, I, it's literally just so that the podcast stays up. If it eventually filters out, which it probably will do and go to nothing, we still carry on, we'll carry on doing it every so often. And the episodes will remain up on YouTube. So that's where we're at. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, I, I, I don't, I don't think it's like, um, I don't want to be like, oh, here's, I, I need sympathy and things like this. But no. I do think that we hopefully, have some fans out there that will miss the show while we're gone, right? And I don't want to just leave it with me being like, oh, there's no explanation, my wife still see it, see you later. I think it's... It, Millie would want people to know what's going on, right? Well, you need to take a step back. You need to give yourself some brain space because even though it's a hobby, it, there's a, an awful, awful lot of effort that goes into, you know, I've tried... Well, this is why I had to stop GMing for a bit but, yeah. and let Sean take over because I was just like... As much as I've still got the energy and I want a game and I want to hang out with you guys because it, you know, it's it that at the moment is pretty much my only comfort where it's like everything's super busy. Like obviously yeah. I love spending time with my son, that's a given. But the point is, it's like the the me time. That's when we're gaming together, right? Mm. And um, yeah, I want I want to carry on doing that, but it's just like I can't. I don't have the brain space to be able to GM at the moment. I, I mean, usually, if I can't prepare a game, and we, I've even said this when we're talking about how to prep for a game, I'll write down five notes on a bit of paper. I haven't even had that amount of time. So it's just like, yeah, well, even those five bits of, you know, you, you still need to be tinkering away. You, your brain still needs to be ticking. Thinking about that in, instead of what's going that, on. Yeah, yeah, in that capacity. So there is, you know, you need to free that up so that you can, um, you know, you can kind of, uh, emotionally re-strengthen yourself and like you know get yourself to a uh, 
And I think if, if I'm coming back next week as a player, that's where I can just turn up and have fun. Right, I've yeah. got a pretty. Not that you didn't have fun as a GM. Oh, I did, I did. But you know what I mean. There are some. There is a slight. Not. I don't put huge pressure on myself, but like there is a bit of pressure that comes with it. Yeah. And uh, with being a player, I've got a really, really amazing, well-written character because I stole it from somebody who can already write good characters. So that's <laughs> that. That should be easy for me. I do like. I. Do, it's stupid because I've uh, I've ran one campaign and, and maybe two one shots or something, but. Um, even from that, I know how much effort goes into GMing. And I'll say, week in, week out, me turning up, being able to contribute to a really awesome story with my mates is fucking great. So Yeah, we need we need it. And, and yes, and, you know, I, th- I think Millie's always been super encouraging about all of my hobbies anyway, um, even the ones that are fleeting that I do for like a minute and then stop, which is often. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, and... and um, with the podcast, I do want to say that, like, and, and I really do have trouble being sincere about a, a lot of things, but I do want to say that it's been an absolute honour to do it as as we have been. I, and you know, James, I've been enjoying podcasts since, like, 2004, 2005, yeah. when basically the only ones were, that were available were awful, and I've always loved the format. And, um, you know, when I was a kid, used to record quote-unquote radio shows on my talk boy by myself with my toys. I mean, that's how few friends I had. Actually, to be fair, me and Chris used to do uh, a, a radio station together as well. But, but then, but think about that, <laughs> right? The fact that, you know, and, and, and to have a following like we do, you know, uh, it, I think from a significant number of people I think has been really really amazing and I've absolutely loved it well, the thing is I'll hold my hands up and say that I've never you've leached you've leached off it no <laughs> no you, you jumped That's on it, hot mate I'm, I'm up there with the big wigs and I'm not taking you with me no it's um in terms of like the discord I've really I'm really bad at keeping up to date with that I was I until I know. found out it existed that uh, yeah. was the big turning point for me and it's it's um I think it's amazing because there's such a good community on there of Trouble is some they- weird fuckers that seem to like chatting shit on there I mean I did have to recently tell someone off for posting porn but you know Tut. to be expected it's a safe space we it don't is, we yeah. don't we don't um discriminate all the time just sometimes we only discriminate <laughs> look there's only a few races we don't we won't accept in there but mostly we're all right isn't it yeah yeah pretty much um but yeah i mean it's it's been really really fun if the, the podcast will continue but i don't know when we're going to get back to it and yeah so i just wanted to say that because a lot of the listeners aren't on the discord so that's why we needed to put this out but yeah i have thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it anyway so the podcast is going away uh, probably seen a bit uh, but let's go back to being very stupid and do some electro letters in the future you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet this sir is the electro letter so in the last episode we asked for your RPG hot takes and then uh, you just took the piss who did yeah, all of them. Well, I mean, they're, I think they're... Well, they are the definition of hot takes, though, right? Because <laughs> it's like a controversial opinion you have. And maybe we'll share some of ours in a bit, but I think a lot of them align with these ones. But, yeah, some of them are taking the big piss. Go on. Uh, so, first one comes in from No Clever Name Sid. He says, hot takes. Gaming is awesome and everyone should be invited. And I, 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 like, I included that one because I think that it's funny that that is a controversial opinion. Yeah. Because nerds 
are so exclusionary yeah. all the time. Like, no, you're too stupid. It's like... It's like, no, you don't get it. It's new ruin our dynamic. You're not in the inner circle. You don't understand the fantasy genre. It's like, I, I don't know. I think You're not going to put on a, a, a voice and try. I'm not going to enjoy you there at the table. Exactly. Right. I think the, the type of session and the type of game... There's an RPG out there for everyone, yeah. but not everyone wants to put on a voice. Not everyone yeah. wants to properly get into character. They just might want to play it like they're playing Skyrim and just fight shit, right? It all depends. All depends. So yes, I agree. Get everyone should be invited, but I do think there is a there's a right game for the right people. There was a time when we were gonna play. I was gonna play um, Fiasco with Millie's family, for example, because they probably like that. Yeah, because it's an improv game. <laughs> nice. Should not drink beer. Um, he also says if you don't like gaming I don't care just shut up and do what you like and stop complaining about what I like to do right on man uh, yeah 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 yeah. do you know what my defence to this is is, is that because and, and it's stupid I'm not saying that games are a minority right because we're really not but also it's just not a uh, it's not a sad position to be in no. you know when people talk about their lives where they're nerds and they're just like no one ever understood me I liked when I was growing up I liked things like Star Wars the most popular sci-fi franchise in the world yeah, it was hard for me. It's like no, um, but yes, I do. I do agree. But my defence for this, when people complain about what I do and say it's nerdy, I just go, oh, I fucking love it. And it's just like, well, what can you say to that? Yeah. If you go, yeah, oh, no, I'm a bit of a nerd. Oh. It's just like, no, I fucking love it. And then people are just like, well, oh, no, that's that's cool, man. No, yeah, that's it's always it disarms people. So I brought it up with like people at work, and it's like, oh, um, uh, you know, there was this like shitty icebreaker kind of thing that happened. I was just like. Nah, fuck it. This is always this always gets people. There's these people that I like literally never speak to that I've been forced into like a a meeting and like sharing stuff with, or like a a workshop or a training session. And they go, oh yeah, tell us a random fact about you. And it's like, oh yeah, um, uh, every single week, almost without fail, um, I play. Um, Essentially, I always say the D and D. I just play Dungeons and Dragons. I, I like, still oh, really? say it. It's just yeah. easier. Everyone knows what it is, but um. Uh yes, I but I th- I like to think to look at that I don't look like I'm a nerd, right? How oh, mate, you look hella nerd. I mean, look at me though, I'm full nerd. No, but I don't think you look like it when you do that face. You do, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. this is really. But bad no, I don't. Thing. But then I accidentally shaved a big chunk of my beard off today and tried <laughs> to shave the whole beard really off. Confused and me. I look like a slug man. Is I didn't that, even realise until. Fortunately, the microphone is in front of Harris's mouth at the minute. But when I yeah, when I in, move out the way, <laughs> when it came, when I when I came in, I looked at it and I was just like, "Your face." Well, because especially with my, is... my my new glasses as well. I think I look like there's a there's a YouTuber called Tim Rogers. Just look him up, and I think I look like. <laughs> him and i've always thought that he looks like a man that was born by being squeezed out of a tube of toothpaste <laughs> like like and i, I realized how out of shape i've become in the last like f- 10 years i've been married <laughs> fucking um yeah horrible no you look great but i think i don't think you could identify you but i think when we were with the other two people of our group oh yeah. definitely yes because uh, one because we like, sat in it like no, we sat with each other because like, i know no no offense to buskus if you're listening but he looks he actually looks like a fantasy creature he's the well and also he's the he's the perfect epitome of what you'd expect him now to look like a leather jacket with a warhammer symbol on the back of it um, a beer belly, um, triforce hat. Head. He always wears a triforce hat. Big glasses. Well, not big, but About glasses. Three feet tall. Yeah. And then, and then you've got Sean, who has got so many key rings on his bag <laughs> that he it's, sounds like he's fucking. He's a stealth travel he's, salesman. Let me just something. say this, James, if I may. Uh, his stealth score would be quite low. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. That was good, though. Sid carries on. 
Oh, oh Jesus Christ, Sid, Sid for calm down, sake. mate. You've got so many on here. It's like five. Uh, he says, <laughs> I'll just skip to the last one. He says, if you don't want to argue, then don't say controversial things on the internet. Hold on a minute. You just said gaming's for everyone. You fucking <laughs> edgy boy. Edgy boy. Um, racism, sexism, and bigotry in general is a problem in the gaming community. Yes, it is. And I do most of it. But the solution isn't just to rename slash change things. The solution is to point out the racist, sexist, and bigots and tell them why it's a problem. That's what we do. That's sort of been our little MO here, really. Because yeah, I, I think that we are... Very up for non-PC jokes. Yeah, but, I, I, but there's no jokes. hate. There's no hate in this podcast. There's not, well, Actually, there's a... <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> I'm there's, looking at you, Bobby Evans. No, yeah. there is a little bit of hate, but to, to mainly towards people I don't like very much. Yeah, pretty much. But I feel like we've we've liked... Um, we've liked doing a weird and wonderful and a wacky, but we have... Um, although we've always strictly been like non-political and that kind of stance of it... But I we think do we've always like, pointed out... Yeah. That, here's this thing... This is it's wrong. gross, and and we're gonna. If you want to know everything about a game that is turbo offensive, we've done the deep dive, right? Yeah. That that was kind of the thing that we did. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but yeah, I, I do think the renaming thing definitely not the way to go. No. I, there are lots of people out there. He continues that are also awesome, want to game. Then the things left that do have racist and sexist and bigoted elements can be addressed by the people who actually want to make it better. Yep, couldn't agree more. I don't think that's an edgy boy opinion, though, Sid. I think that's an opinion most normal people share. Yeah. The sad fact is, is that I, I, I do think... I do think, you know, let's say, for example, fucking racial holy war is probably the worst offender. <laughs> or, there was the, <laughs> or there was that one that fucking Gary Gygax's son got written by another bloke, and he just put... Was it the re- that one of the alien races that you can be in this game was the N word, right? Yeah. And it's like, uh, I don't know, man. Nobody's going to buy that, though, are they? I mean, okay, there's a f- couple of people out there that are buying, I don't know, Lamentations of the Flame Princess to prove some point that they're the same right wing views as James Raggy. But it's like, but like, there's most of these things are outliers that nobody's buying. I think, I hope, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I have not, I can't confirm it at all and it's probably not true alright next one comes in from the Hus man he says here's a couple if you shy away from you meet in it, in it <laughs> tavern yes because it's overdone then you're not trying hard enough and this is a point we made on the last yeah, one because we, we somebody said that you meet in an inn is too common and and don't do it. And if you do it, you're out of ideas. But I think I think we we said this last session, uh, last episode. But it was like I think making trope. twists on that. Yeah. And if you if you're clever enough to come up with an interesting twist that makes everyone laugh, or that makes everyone go, oh, cool twist. It's like that. I think is more creative than going right. I'm going to go for the most wacky thing possible. But rather than going, oh, I like this trope. Here's how I'm going to subvert it or do something interesting with it. I think that's way better than going. You meet on a plane yeah be like oh you meet in a bunker in the middle of a war that's just pretty that's much. actually quite a cool cool way to start a campaign but yeah. then you have to get it, but it. actually it's it, it proving that we just come up with two, two cool ideas yours is a lot better than mine but um yeah it's easy to do the outside of the box using the cliche in an interesting way that's creative right oh it but, is because you have you have so so much to play with you really have so much to play with. That's why it exists. It's the best way, one of the best ways to introduce characters to each other, to yep. break the ice, particularly in 
um, one-shot scenarios. Well, it's what um, or new uh, people. And I, I know the, the, the opinions are divided on him, but it's what Tarantino does in his movies. He puts his characters in familiar situations, yeah. so that then you like well, you get a, to a concentrate lot, lot. on the story and the developments that are happening. Not like oh, where, where are they sat? Oh, it's fucking Jupiter. And well, and also in real life, you and I get to know people in those situations yeah. so you can imagine getting to know a character when they're in those realistic situations it doesn't have to be a tavern but like I don't know like two guys talking in their car yeah. you know or in the case of Reservoir Dogs they're in a diner do you know what yeah. I mean or and, waiting at a bus stop or something like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's fine um, he says what a game company does with its intellectual property has zero impact on the game you play around the table so stop complaining about it because your complaining is not helping besides you've bought the books the game is now yours you do whatever the hell you want with it and, uh, yeah, I agree because I find it weird. I find it really weird being angry at Sixth Edition, right? Because who cares? You don't play, just don't play it. It doesn't affect you. It doesn't well, affect you at all. You might go, you might lament about the fact that oh, the gaming industry is going in a direction I don't like. But don't follow got, it then. <laughs> don't follow it. You've yeah. got your old ones. I mean, fucking, I haven't played in uh, like I, video games used to be my thing, right? Yeah. Before RPGs, pretty much. I haven't played a new video game in ages. New Resident Evil Four came out. I played the old one. Yeah, because I because mean, I, I just it just doesn't interest me. I don't give a fuck. But the fact that you're going, oh, video games aren't good anymore. I bet there's a, a, a like a lot of old ones you haven't played that are fucking amazing. I just well, went on true, a, yeah. for like an hour about how I played a bloody SNES RPG from nineteen. 19- 93 <laughs> so you know it doesn't matter man the, the, the fact is I could get a copy of Savage Worlds and play that forever and be happy right yeah, the, yeah new stuff comes out or I learn about old stuff that I want to buy but why do you have to be tied to recent things I don't under, I've never understood that I've never it's like, it's like when people say thing. oh films are shit nowadays have you watched 2001 A Space Odyssey if the answer's no watch that it's a good film yeah, There's probably loads true. like that that, you, that that people haven't seen. Yeah, I don't know. It's dumb, isn't it? It is. But then I think from your perspective, you've never really given a shit about the industry. You just like the games and the playing of those games. I like and the games, cool. the playing the same, the games, the games, and yeah, uh, everything that kind of I've, I've been blessed for this group because everything we've kind of done has has been great uh, there's only been a very but outside very, of it doesn't interest amount. you and yeah. as a result it's never affected you yeah. if it did if you just didn't take an interest in sixth edition because you don't like it easy Done. don't matter anymore uh he uh, the hustman continues he says like it or not new players are the lifeblood of the hobby of the of, of the hobby if you care about the bigger picture let them in you don't have to play with them but you damn well better accept their presence yes agree Oh, that is true. But like we touched upon earlier, if it depends where, because I'm one of those nerds, and well, we all are, where there's you know if someone wanted to join our group, like we li- we need to vet them because this is a this is a weekly thing. It's a weekly thing that has become part of our lives, t- and it's it's our it's literally our inner circle. This is we play. But then I don't think I don't think the fact that we vet players, in fact. I don't. You guys do, but I don't think. I, I don't think the. I don't think the fact that the, the the group as a whole vets players is not accepting new people into the hobby. No, it's because just, it's the inner circle. It's not the hobby. It's our friend group. Yeah. And our game. Yeah. And, and I think like because it often and it has happened a lot. To be fair, is that when somebody has asked me, "Can I be in your game?" My answer is always yes. And then I ask the group, and they go no. And that's usually that's you. But I'm just like I don't. I, I'm just happy to have anyone. 
but then now I realise how much of a fucking idiot I was because the last one I was like, yeah, I reckon she can join. She was fucking insane, and I'm so glad because I, 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 I don't know this person at all. I'll get to know them by playing, inviting them to our weekly group that we basically use as therapy. That's no, right. Like, yeah, yeah. Coming to coming to uh, my house, and uh, I don't know you. Well, look, thank God I I passed it by you guys because that could have been really horrible. Because oh, he was, man. she was also having sex with one of the other players at the time. Uh, but but it's really manipulative and a cunt. I like the and racist. It turns out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea at the time. I only no. met her once. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, pistachio, cultist of Sean, he says, RPG hot take. If you play any other race than Tiefling, this is one of your piss take ones. If you play any other race other than Tiefling, you're in fact a racist fascist. <laughs> well, you're, you're actually the only one that has out of our group that has ever played a Tiefling. Uh, Z- Zanthar, or whatever his name was, oh, the oh. one that spoke, and his laugh was like, <laughs> "Do you remember?" <laughs> Wait, the fucking I can't remember his name, but yes, I did. Zergoth, Zergoth, yeah, Zergoth. Yeah, and so then I'm a racist fascist. Yeah, that explains a lot. Yeah, yeah. Go get racial holy war, you fucking bigot. Get it. I wrote it, mate. <laughs> Boggle the infamous. He says, fantasy RPGs are running out of steam because players are coming increasingly unable to accept or comprehend the concept of a world that is fundamentally unlike their present day. Every culture must be accepting of differences, staffed with welcoming good guy organisations for the adventurers to interact with, and lack any facets which are unpalatable to modern sensibilities. Slavery, caste discrimination, sex discrimination, religious intolerance... But which the people, the fantasy society, but which the people in the fantasy society accept as normal. Yeah, I'm in agreement with that. I, I don't know. I definitely think that D and D has become deeply sanitised in in that regard to where the medieval and mythical inspirations that it had have been stripped out to the point of uh, I don't know something as basic as oh elves and dwarves hate each other or. Um, a woman being a knight, not being a common thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I actually think those are kind of when you're when you're GMing that type of thing, right? I I, I'm in agreement with what he's saying, yeah. right? But I think when you're GMing that type of thing, I'll often put shit like that in there if it's relevant. Like especially when you're playing Solomon Kane, right? Yeah. There there was well, racism in that game, not because I'm like lol racism, but because it was what things were like. Yeah, there's a. Uh, it's like bringing attention to the uh, time period that it's set in, or at least the understanding of um, the the time or the setting or how things were in the medieval ages or whatever it is that you decide to. Plot it's, your it, fantasy it's just relevant in. because it's another. It's like a roadblock in your journey, right? I mean, because yeah. we had there was a play, a player playing a black character right and he's suddenly rolling through england in the 17th century right that's going to be a bit weird but here's the thing when you are confronted with those situations rather than everyone being all nicey nicey and accepting it's a opportunity for um that character to be a badass and to be to break out of that in some fundamental way or it's an opportunity for role play isn't it i yeah. mean i wonder if I wonder if, and this is probably a stupid thing for me to say, but I wonder if there's a black person at the table that I would still do that. I don't know. I probably would, actually. But here's the point. I do completely agree. And I think that 
I don't know if if you remember there was like a lot of these attempts to then sanitize it end up being patronizing to people that don't necessarily understand the thing they're talking about for example in Crystal Heart when it was like the one black race they were saying one of the things they put about them was that they love trends and it's like that's definitely racist isn't it because it's like saying oh black people always want the latest thing don't they and it's like (laughs) that's definitely out of order but if you'd have just if you'd have just like it set it in a medieval uh, or realistic medieval way and you'd have made it more realistic or just not written that race in because you don't fucking understand anything i don't know yeah it's a shame it's a shame that people feel this need to sanitize everything i mean if you want to create your own unique setting where everyone gets along i feel some... like it makes it a little bit more difficult because obviously all we are realistically do in the fantasy settings is you just twist um around um hist- history mm. and then it's everyone everything is based on something else so you've got to base it off of actual events or, or, or well, I think understanding even, of cultures in even general D and D is based on real myths and legends which yeah. had a point and a meaning at one point yeah Do you know because what I mean? they were meant to be um they're meant to have their own story and their own understanding as to you know, oh, why is why is this race like that? The the fact that there are, for instance, the elves and dwarves not liking each other—that's like an innate thing that everyone knows, and therefore it's easy to role play, and it should be um, easily easy to play out if you're in a situation. But where... also, it's funny because, like, you know, the the prime example is Lord of the Rings, right? Yep. And the the bit they focus on is not the hate part; it's that two of them became friends despite all that. Yep. Isn't that? part of the point of having that type of stuff in your game if it, it, I, I don't know and I think that a big part of like yeah those types of narratives is to create situations like that but if I could recommend I think if you if you divorce your setting enough from the original material to the point where it's something completely original I think it's fine if you're like oh this this is like a Star Trek type utopia where all the races get along, they love each other, and that's all it, except for Klingons and all the other ones they meet along the way. But all the mm. ones on Earth or whatever, the Federation, they get on, right? So it's like, a good example is the Adventure Zone, the first arc of their campaign they did in their podcast, because that is a very woke thing. But they did do it in a way that was tasteful and the podcast didn't suffer from it because it was in no way meant to be like a medieval game it just sim- it, it, it featured space mad max type racing it was like this is this is our setting that we've come up with and there you go like like but if you're if you're running D and you're just going yeah but like like now in the new in fact i'm doing the very thing i complained about before i don't care about sixth, sixth edition i don't but now you it's it's racist to assume that certain races have certain traits right so saying dwarves are strong that's bang out of order so now all you do is you pick dwarf as your background but you pick from different things to make your racial bonuses so if you want to be an incredibly tall handsome gnome you can be that <laughs> so on the one hand i quite like that idea but like that's sort of why I don't care about 6th edition because I'm yeah. like well why the fuck even have races anyway just everyone can just be an amorphous blob swinging a sword around oh god this has got me really ranty this one <laughs> good question then Judge Trev he says Gary Gygax was an insurance salesman turned carnival barker after fleecing his friend Dave of a few good ideas correct listen to the sad history of Dave Arneson one episode that we did if you want to learn all about that I mean yeah really seriously and Dave Arneson was such a nice guy um 
He says that he misses that carnival barker aspect in TTRPG, though. I prefer it to virtue pandering to sell games. And uh, yeah, I think we've uh, gone on about that enough. He also says, a D20 is great, but 20 Ginny Ds, that's a oh, good time. Oi. <laughs> You're not wrong, mate. Fuck You're not wrong, no, mate. She's not my type of content. But in another fashion, she is my type of content. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but, that. but what we've done there is sexist. It is. No, it isn't. Actually, no. is it sexist to talk about a woman like this? Is it sexy? <laughs> is it sexy? I think it's sexy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> she knows it. <laughs> she does, though. I mean, yeah, she, that's, she, that's part of the appeal of the channel, definitely. Mm. Uh, but in case that's sexist, what I said, it isn't. Mamiya says, one of the best ways to become a better GM is to stop playing video games and start reading books. Uh, uh, nah. Nah, I don't know. Like, video games could be a good inspiration. It's just mechanically don't try to emulate what they do in the video game. That's oh, yeah. it. That's all I'd say. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. if, if you then, I don't know, like, like for example, just pick a video game at random, right? Uh, Banner 3. So if you were taking Bayonetta 3, right? So in Bayonetta, one of the big things is like being scored on every map that you complete on it, right? Mm. Like if you put that into an RPG, it's stupid. That mechanic is 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 redundant. But if you emulate the feel of Bayonetta in, in D&D and uh, put a rule in for climax attacks, that would be <laughs> fucking amazing. That would be jokes. Like, okay, if, if you do enough damage in a single turn... You can uh, then uh, strip off, get naked, and fuck them. Use in the your head hair, which is a... also your clothes, to dis- uh, put someone in a guillotine and spank them before killing them. Yeah. So you're not you're not going okay. Climax attacks work the exact same way. You need to build a meter by doing combos. You just try and emulate the feel by using the existing mechanics. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I but yeah, video games no. ca- can it absolutely inspire RPGs. I guess that's why it's a hot take, really. Yeah, but, but I, I do get the angle though, because uh, obviously with books, there's a description that's completely left out of video games. And also, I they think they don't I, need to describe the scenes or settings or what you're meant to be imagining. No, you just in your look head. straight at it. Yeah, I do think you can learn a lot more from books for RPGs, but saying to stop using video games as an inspiration. I mean, because a lot of them have very good stories but I don't think an RPG about being a blue hedgehog and running to the right would be very fun but say something inspired by The Last of Us or something I've seen a lot of people doing that in RPGs mm. and that was a video game or um, I don't know do you know what I mean like like I think they can be good inspiration but I think a lot of GMs try to take it mechanically and the worst sessions I've ever played have been the Batman campaign well, we played was literally just levels taken from the Batman thing but Fallout yeah Fallout, so video game inspired, but the way Savage Fallout is done is it's uh, emulated the feel of it using the mechanics of Savage Worlds, not the yeah. mechanics of the game, then inserted whole hog into Savage Worlds. Yeah, um, but yeah, I do think I do think reading more books is a very good way to learn descriptions and also um, plots. And most of my campaigns have been based on whatever book I happen to be currently reading. So <laughs> I don't know, like, like I, 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 in agreement with that part. But yeah, video games can be a good inspiration, I think. Um, I mean, we were once really in danger of um, somebody running Death Road to Canada, Savage Death Road to Canada, and his point was that he was going to say. Because in Death Road to Canada, it's a zombie game where you're trying to get to Canada, right, mm. to escape an apocalypse. But one of the big things that video game does is that every time you, you get to sort of junctions where you have to make a choice, and it often be like, um, uh, 
what is it? It'd be like, oh, there's bandits, and they say, move, uh, no, give us all this shit you've got. Do you fight them, or do you try and plow through, right? Whereas in an RPG, it's it could be anything. But this guy was saying, oh, yeah, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the choices into the game. Do you want to fight them or ram through? It's like, how about find a different route? How about <laughs> we try to notice them before they notice us and how drive around? I wouldn't have been gone there in the first place. Yeah, exactly, right? So, yeah, it's kind of dumb. Um, right, we are getting long on time here, so uh, we'll go on to some real questions. Well, those are real questions. Thank you very much for sending them in. CJ, he says, because um, Sean is a fucking idiot, and recently, <laughs> right, <laughs> obviously everything has been going on with my wife, right? Yeah. You two knew that well, well, we, yeah. we're not doing the podcast, right? Yeah, Sean, yeah. Sean then went on to the Discord on the day we were supposed to be recording. I was sitting there, right, the day we were supposed to be recording... I was literally getting ready to sleep out the hospital in a chair, and I see this fucking Sean <laughs> sent into Discord a message saying, oh, guys. Oh, "Hi guys, we're recording uh, in in a couple of hours. Uh, got any questions?" And my, you're first, recording this weekend. Yeah, fucking the first one that came in was one of the listeners saying, "Why the fuck are you asking for questions?" Because I'd already put out a message on the Discord saying <laughs> we're not recording for a long time, and he's like, "It was so stupid." So um, CJ correctly because Sean is a weeb even bigger than I. Um, he said, for anime questions, I assume, with the rise of the isekai um, as a genre, do you feel it hurts the chances of a new fantasy-based goblin uh, a story like Goblin Slayer or Record of Lotus War getting made? Um, i tell you what, actually. I spoke about um, that exact genre um, the other day when we um, left Harrison's from the MCC um, session um, because that is precisely JT's favourite genre. Um, he's actually because you pointed, yeah, you pointed it out to him, and he's like, "Yeah, that's actually one of my favourite genre." Because I was talking about how um, anime, fantasy animes are really fucking good, um, but yeah, we said that is he said that Isekai for him is taking over. See, the weird thing, so Isekai for those that don't know is um, specifically it's fantasy anime, but the main protagonist is from our world and he gets transported in right so um but i did really enjoy um and i I'll, you know more about anime than i do but i did very much enjoy re0 and that was that that was the one that really kicked off the popularity for the genre i will say that, that um there's a there's a new series that are coming out that's cool yeah 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 um and i did enjoy konosuba as well but um out of all of them, if we were just saying that Isekai is not a genre, right? And you were saying, what are the best fantasy animes? Record of Lotus War, easy, number one, right? Or Goblin Slayer. Goblin. But I mean, Goblin, but those Goblin. are like the best fucking ones. Um, but I don't mind the genre, but it's weird that it's become a trope. There's quite a big, there, there's quite a big trope, to be fair. There was actually one, oh, I can't, see, I've watched a, a lot of random ones, um, to be fair, but there are quite a few Isekais. The, the, there's the but it's weird that like, like, like the fact that it's a person getting transported into a magical world. Like, why has that become a genre? Like, I don't mind it, and I wouldn't mind like one of them every three years. But now it's so fucking often, and I do think that Konosuba had an interesting take on it. Re Zero was like probably not the first, but it was like the first big one, right? Mm. And that was good. It was really good. But um, I don't know. It's like that becoming that specifically becoming a genre is really fucking weird. Well, there's me. a lot of shit animes out there with like really weird genres, isn't there? So yeah, 
I mean, uh, there's also that recent. Uh, I don't know, like, like. But what do you think of uh, Isekai as a genre? Do you think that it hurts the chances of getting a new Goblin Slayer type anime where it's just a fantasy anime straight up? No, I think it actually creates more room for it, to be honest, because everyone's getting sucked into this um, reincarnated as or transported to. That's another or... one. Yeah, that's a good one as well. Yeah, maybe I like it. So the everyone's sort of focusing on that, which means it creates more room for it to to come and make a. Maybe hit. it will give people uh, more of a chance to enjoy a fantasy thing. Yeah, and then because we'll see. It's, because it's, it's fantasy without the um, previous knowledge of another world kind of shit. There's even one that I actually started watching the other day because I was just like, it's on trending and I couldn't be bothered to watch what I've currently got playing through at the moment. I had a few minutes to spare, so I was like, I'll watch the first episode. It's my, f- um, it's farming in another world where a guy dies and then gets um, transported into another world with the uh, omnipotent farming tool and he basically starts a new life farming in another world and I've watched the first episode and I was just like to be fair that's pretty fucking that's pretty fantasy for you right there well (laughs) also animes about very very specific topics yeah like like like, like I don't think I would ever watch um like a volleyball anime but Sean's watched one he says it's amazing oh, and then, I ended up thinking I think I watched that with Layla actually uh, I can't remember what it was called but it, it was Haiku oh yes that, that one is really good because it's about uh, the team about a, a, a boy who's short and shouldn't be good at volleyball but, he's but I think that farming great. one sounds like it would interest me because like they, I think well um, farming simulator you like those kind of games anyway fucking love them and <clears> it, <throat> I mean it literally it does actually there's a lot of that goes into play because you have to think well I need wood I need this I need that I need that well um, it was like uh, Prozy D did that video that I'm going to now butcher completely but he did that one where he's like he's watching anime about drinking water and he's like yeah I like a tall glass and I like a slightly lower pH balance he's like he's like after watching a sports anime it's like yeah um yeah I don't know yeah I'm, I'm in agreement with you James I think it, I don't think it hurts the chances of it I think it means that more fantasy animes might get made that yeah. aren't specifically that genre um, he also says um, also what system aside from Savage Worlds would rock for having modern military forces fight fantasy ones like in Gate do you know what Gate is? Uh, so you, uh, I haven't watched it um, so, is it anime as well? it's one of them I think it's one of them 3D ones but I'm probably mistaken because, no thanks no that's Gantz isn't it? Oh, yeah that's Gantz or is it Code Gay Ass? <laughs> Is it the revolution? Is it you? I've been to Japan, and you're more of a weeb than me. How is that possible? Um, Because I'm my my heritage, bro. No, Jack. You're a Philippine. (laughs) 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 It's like you know people that say (laughs) Philippine. Oh man, that's fucking good. <laughs> no, you know, because it's like it was originally Weeaboo and then Koreaboo, so it's not Philippine as well. Koreaboo. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what Gate is, so sorry about that. Yeah, uh, but I'm military weird. forces fight fantasy ones. Cyberpunk would probably be pretty fucking good. I mean, there's no, oh, yeah. they, you don't. The closest you get to a monster in Cyberpunk is probably probably like you know somebody that's si- like Adam Smasher, somebody that's like Turbo Cyberpunk. But that that the shooting in that is so very good, and the cover based stuff. If I you reckon... wanted something that feels military, like because I'm thinking something like maybe like Gears of War, I think Cyberpunk would do pretty good at. I reckon you could probably get away with it in Cybersprawl, classics. Yeah, but that's still DCC or MCC. No, it technically isn't, though, is it? Yeah. Yeah, so suck it. Yeah, do that. 
Um, and he said, and when can we expect the DCC or MCC version of Iron Chef? Have you watched Iron Chef? Um, no. You may be that. aware of it though peripherally because there's a bit in <laughs> Futurama where there's they're doing an Iron Chef like competition and there's an alien and they can get away with it because it's an alien, it's not a Japanese book, and he goes, That sword costs ten thousand dollars <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Um that's based on the Iron Chef guy and I think it's like his nephew now presents Iron Chef. I watched the whole fucking series of it, it's so f- fucking good. It's just a cooking show with professional cooks that come together and they make love, and it's beautiful. Um, no, they um, <laughs> they have like cooking challenges that they do, and it's presented by this Japanese bloke because it was originally a Japanese TV show. And um, I don't know what he says, and this is going to sound racist, but what he every time he goes in the words of my uncle, <laughs> and then they start cooking. It's fucking great. That's probably it's nothing near what he actually says, but like uh, I think he oh no, it might actually just be. What? I don't know, but yeah, the presenter's so over the top, and he he like looks between cameras, and he goes, "This challenge is all about hot," <laughs> and then it'll be like they have to cook with chilies or something like this. But he's so, it's so over the top because oh, Japanese TV is fucking annoying. Uh, Bug with the infamous, he says, uh, "What's the most annoying imaginable form of bardic performance that could still serve as a basis for bardic magical abilities?" So usually it's musical, right? Yeah. Uh, stylophone. <laughs> that would be pretty bad, wouldn't it? <laughs> Have you ever seen the, the the bad videos of that guy, that black guy that he he tries to do theremin covers of things, <laughs> and he doesn't know how bad he is, and it's like he does the uh, Game of Thrones, and you know people tr- tend to use the higher notes when they're playing a the theremin. He's doing <laughs> he's doing the low notes, and it's like <laughs> it's like it's literally sounds like trombone champ that video game, like it's that fucking bad and he's dressed up in a suit of armor trying to play the game of thrones theme and it's so bad so i think theremin because it i think people assume it's easy and theremin is actually a a really wave your hands about it's actually takes a lot of skill oh it's just fair yeah 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 so so theremin stylophone um the uh honky tonk that would be quite intense which one's a honky tonk it's not the big big ass motherfucker isn't that the one? Oh no! What's the what's the large one with that's like a whole music station? Oh, like a one man band. Yeah, but the the no, I know there's an I know there's a term for it, but yeah, but basically, yeah, something like that would be pretty shitty. Or also, um, especially because all, all of your all of your teammates are gonna have to lug it to every dungeon. Accordion's pretty bad because it's two handed and both hands are strapped in. Slap a phone? No, actually, that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, no, Slapophone is like, you know, those pipe instruments that Blue Man Group use. Oh, sorry. I literally thought it was, it was you know, when you have the paddles to slap. You them. were thinking of somebody slapping a phone, weren't you? Just be honest. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, no ringings for you then. Um, yeah, I, uh, there's a lot really, isn't there? But could, does it have to be a musical performance if you're a bard? I feel like opera singing would be pretty bad if you had anyone that wanted to do stealth. Because <laughs> there's a bloke that does, uh, that practices who lives on that road there okay. that I'm not going to say but he he and you can hear him it's fucking loud man is he uh, is he is he is he good yeah he's amazing but like um, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's just so loud yeah you really have to belt it <laughs> yeah I know microphones are for wimps uh, right uh, next one the Hussman he says what three mechanics would you borrow from other games to bring into a 5e game all right, now I uh, read this earlier and I came up with a very witty answer. And I'm going to say one, 
uh, I would bring in the rolling system from Savage Worlds, right? Two, I'm going to bring in the stats and character creation from uh, Savage Worlds. And then three, the book of Savage Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but like three mechanic, uh, exploding dice. Exploding dice is it? So when you roll the highest nice. number on any dice, you roll it again. Maybe not on the D20 button, damage dice. That would make 5e basically super fucking deadly and it would be fun as shit. Yeah. Um, cards for initiative. I am again just porting Savage Worlds mechanics over. Um, I would probably, if you use magic from DCC, would be a good shout. Oh, mate, that'd be sick though, wouldn't it? It would be amazing. Yeah. I think also maybe cover from Cyberpunk would be kind of fun because it's it's quite a big aspect to the whole thing. So maybe the cover and health system, to the point where you've now got people having to think about cover on a battlefield while they sling spells over to each other. That kind of fun. Yeah, I think I think that's quite quite an interesting take. What about you? Three mechanics you've got to bring into a 5e game to make it better. I know 5e do the inspiration tokens, right? Mm-hmm. But use them like we have. Just as, replace them as bennies. Yeah. As bennies, yeah. Yeah, because, just a re-roll token. Yeah, yeah. Easy. Because that's 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 what we do. And it's great. And um, XP from DCC would be a good one as well. Because I oh, think... because it is actually... 5e is all, like, like, if you're not killing shit, you're not really getting good experience unless you yeah. use milestones because it is... also that, you know, I feel like that's a big reason why there's a lot of murder, murder hobos out there yeah and and because also like, why oh, well I'm just going to kill this guy why because oh he's a tramp and it gives me XP <laughs> tramps are worth one XP each ah, I'll kill a lot of them then <laughs> well yeah I mean like and why a lot of the indie adventures just involve killing yeah yeah, and it, it, you know it really distracts. So yeah, I think that's. A good I know idea. Professor Dungeon Master said in one of his videos, he was like, "Well, at the back of the book here, it does suggest that you could use an alternate XP system." It's like, but it's a paragraph buried right at the back under optional rules. It's yeah, like, you're, you're not really going to read into them, are you? Right, um, let's do one more of these. <clears throat> yeah, boy. Uh, actually, we've got two because I think that there's there's some other ones that might. That, uh, there's two because one of them is going to be quick. No, never, no clever name, Sid. He says, "I have a question. Why are all of the anime fans I know weirdo perverts that are only turned on by barely legal, scantily clad, and poorly animated Japanese girls?" Listen, fuck you, right? Because I've been playing this great game called Tokimeki Memorial, where you <laughs> date high school girls. Um, it's not as weird as you think it is. I mean, it is a little bit. No, it's just a good fucking game. Shut up. Um, yeah, why are they, James? Why are you like this? Why are you? This is where we need Sean on here so we can ask him why he's like it. Well, yeah, I just thought of a bunch of things I could say that would probably annoy my mum because uh, she doesn't like it when I talk smack about Sean. Um, well, tell me what to say and I'll say it. <laughs> I don't think she likes it when anyone does. um, Yeah, I don't know. No, I love him really. I'll tell you what it is. I I actually think most normal anime fans, and I'm not one of them, I don't like much anime, right? But I like enough to know this, Mm. is that in in Japan, there are are different expectations and qualities that you see, see in media, right? So there is like the titty stuff and stuff like this. I think most normal anime fans just accept that as a floor of the entire medium as a whole but basically ignore it right oh yeah because goblin sayer i, think, I, th- I it, think it's funny exactly when we've watched anime together yeah. that's the bit we laugh at like goblin sayer is a great anime that i recommend for people that don't even watch anime but it does have a lot of that stuff in it but it's something that is just like oh for fuck's sake and then i you, feel like it's only done like twice like well, i say twice a couple times but on purpose Yes, because it's so intense. I, I think often it is a joke. Yeah, yeah, it has but to be. Um, even like good animes, like 
like adult animes like Cowboy Bebop have because I feel like there's a different difference between a sexual character and a sexualized character, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, Bayonetta I think is a sexual character. Yep. I you can imagine her having sex, right? Whereas a sexualized character is like the type of things you usually see in anime where they've got giant breastuses. But like Cowboy Bebop even has a lot of fan service in it, and that's one I would also recommend to anyone. But it's just something you have to accept if you want to, because some of these stories are good enough to actually watch, right? It's just, but by law of averages, even if you hate all anime, there's probably one that you're going to like, and it's probably. Well, it's like, got- I mean, even in South, um. Uh, I've started rewatching Attack on Titan um, with my daughter. That's one with actually very little yeah. of any of that. But when the title sequence changes during the first season, um, there's like a little section where it's got like Mikasa uh, training in it, and then oh yeah, she's got like it just <clears throat> it just looks a bit booby, and then Layla actually at one point just went. Boobs, no, <laughs> just as the trailer was going on. But I mean, just for it a frame really... of reference, Layla James's daughter is basically an adult. Yeah, pretty much. Annoyingly. Yeah, I know it's weird. I, I hate it, but also, <laughs> but also don't because she's my daughter. Basically, well, yeah. But yeah, there's, there's, there's. there's like, I thought that was absolutely hilarious because that's specifically. I think it's actually just a well-drawn bit of art or a well-animated piece of art but as it, opposed to drawing attention to those appendages. But, they just happen I mean, to be there. To be fair, Layla's got my humour. So. But often they're also... Yeah, she very much I was does. thinking it. She, but she said it. She yeah. said what you're all thinking. Yeah. But basically, a lot of the time, it's so ridiculously proportioned that I don't think anyone's supposed to take it seriously. Yeah, I mean, there are a few animes where they take the... They do it outrageously on Kaijo. <laughs> Kaijo being the best example, which is a, a, a future sport uh, anime. Coming to us everywhere soon, please. Yes, please. Um, it's on Crunchyroll. You can go and watch it. And it's a future sport, uh, a fictional sport, where it's basically sumo, but the only way you're allowed to actually hit your opponents is with your tits and arse. Yeah, boy. And I, oh, God, please, for the Olympics 2020, whatever, Kaijo, please. <laughs> Um, the very last one comes in from Griffiana, and they say favorite board games. Well, oh. we have answered this one before, and I did say that I don't really like board games, but I do like Carcassonne. Yeah, chess. That's one's a, that one's a classic. I think it's really going places. And I recently played Monopoly. I hate Monopoly, but I recently played it with my six-year-old niece, does, eight-year-old niece. Does uh, Mario Party count? Because it's technically a board game. I think virtually. yes. I think it does. Because that's right up there. It's the best one. Yeah. End of. But um, I've there's there's just quite a large collection in my house. Um, photosynthesis is pretty good, where you have to plant seeds, grow them into trees, and generate money. There, I've played Wingspan. Once. Wingspan actually looks fun. It's it's basically like. Um, it's technically a card collecting game, but it's you. You're having to like lay e- eggs and oh yeah, and tell me like Are we back on the anime shit again and, uh, and and birds and shit. And so it's that kind of stuff. Um, a, quite a good one. Uh, it for me. Please God, hurry up! I need to piss. Shut up! It's mentally taxing, but it is literally a farming simulator, which is a uh, uh, agricola. Oh yeah, that looks good. And that is that's very good. You can play one whole game in half an hour, but for me, it's so mentally taxing because you really need to try and think like ten moves ahead. Oh, Exploding Kittens is quite good. Oh, that's fun. Hold on, that's upstairs, isn't it? Yeah. Um, 
I do play a lot of Munchkin with the girls because uh, I can't play it with you because you're too competitive and I don't. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not like that anymore. Okay, right, we'll play it again. Yeah, yeah. It's but good. then Millie will still be like that when she's at a hospital, and then yeah. it would just be fucking annoying. Um, <laughs> I like uh, a Bama Llama. See, oh. I like I like the party game type yeah. ones. Oh no, that's always great. I know what it's about board Jackbox game. Party Pack? That's yeah, that's great. Why that's don't you tell laugh. people what you drew on a shirt in one of those games? No, man. <laughs> Well, we all know that what, what gets, no, it was amongst what t-shirt gets made and Jackbox party. Um, but you can buy a print of those t-shirts. And okay, so there's I'm not going to say who did it, but there was um, on Jackbox party pack. There's a game in it where you have to people write down slogans and then people draw symbols, and then at the end of the round, everyone has to combine them. To create a t-shirt. To create a t-shirt. You only get a, a very small selection out of all the drawn and written items. And so somebody like. ended up... <laughs> no, I'm actually not going to say it. But let's just say it was a very prominent symbol in Germany during the World War II. Let's just put it that With the phrase, N-word's going to N on there. But fortunately, it wasn't me that did it, so I don't care. No, it wasn't me either, so. No, it wasn't. Um, literally wasn't. And, uh, yeah, so... And he also says, hated slash disliked board games. Actually, I, another... Big up, to big up to Hero Quest. That's a good one. Oh, fuck me. The Hero Quest is right at the top. That's man. a great one. That's um, amazing. Hated board games. I fucking hate Monopoly. It's dull. It's boring. Uh, I like Cluedo, actually, but uh, that also gets a bit old. Um, I, I'm actually, despite the fact that I read a lot and do enjoy reading, I am an idiot. And I really like Scrabble, but I can't play it for shit. You know, Anything Scrabble above a three-letter word. Head. But it's like I don't know because it's not. Uh, it's a game I like, but I have no talent for. Because I, 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 when I see a jumbled up bunch of letters, I always just see it exactly as that. I mean, maybe I've got some sort of disability, but Millie's the type of person who can get the you know the countdown conundrum on countdown and stuff like this. And I'm just like, I look at those letters and I just be like, mm, at that's good well, enough. Look at and go sniff nibblum that's it. You know when 8 out of 10 cats does countdown? Yeah. When people come up with funny justifications for making up words. Yeah. And I remember one time there was a bunch of... I won't... Uh, this is... I'm just literally quoting a panel show at this point. But John Richardson, he came up with one that was E-I-E-I Padry. And it was like when you're a farmer and you're using an iPad. <laughs> and I just thought that was pretty funny. But like if you could... If there was a way to play Scrabble like that, I would really enjoy it. Oh, if you can get away great. with the justification of a made-up word... I mean, we played it similarly once, and James just put down EC, and I was like, what does that mean? He's like, you know, like, take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, right, that is it for... A while. A while. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's go to the outro. Well, the Penguins have made it, and they're going up against the Golden Knight. Interesting, the Penguins have outflanked the Golden Knight. They're uh, pushing in with a rear attack. He is now... Caught both sides, classic pincer manoeuvre, just the way the World War II soldiers were done in. Seriously, I mean, if you do want to get in contact, give him the contact info anyway, just in case. Because, you so, know, if we do a bonus or anything like this, we can always read out questions or anything that we receive. Well, 100%. So, um, the Discord link is always in the description, so just take a peep at that. Best way to contact us is the free trpgpod at gmail.com. Um, we do have a Facebook um, that's not like utilised much. Discord is probably a place to be, even though I don't look at it much. There is a Twitter somewhere, um, but there are products which aren't going anywhere at all on the 
um, bloody fucking drive through RPG. So just look up Free Tea RPG Publishing. And if I can recommend 100 Weird Widgets if you're playing sci-fi post-apocalyptic stuff. So, uh, And I can say this because it was a long time ago. I think it's actually really funny. And also because Nick was very much involved with writing. So Yeah, they, um, they uh, have added such a fun flavour to MCC for us over the past 11 sessions. They've been really, really... Like good quirky, but the thing is, I think it's the players. You know, us at the table, we found good uses for them. Like, uh, really good for example, uses. dehydrated water, which was like, what was it? It was uh, less of the H, more of the O, or something like this. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, it was literally just a bottle of oxygen. Yeah, but you happened to be underwater at the time. Yeah, that's um, great. Yeah, so Patreon-wise, uh, search up Three T RPG Podcast on Patreon. Now we're going to keep that up just to host the podcast, so people can still download it, re-listen to old episodes, as I know some people like to do. Um, if if uh, go to send us an email on the email that James has already mentioned. If you have any suggestions for how we can host this stuff for free, and then we can just maybe shut the page run down altogether. But um, yeah, thanks for everything over the last seven. Seventh year would have been September, yeah. Fuck yeah, no, we didn't make it to seven years, so six and a bit years. Six and a half. Six and a half is good. Well, to be finished, this isn't goodbye forever. It's not goodbye forever, but in its current format, it's going to be a hiatus, at least. least. We won't be able to keep up with the the output, basically, so the episodes will be... um, uh, We'll probably put one out as a little surprise every now and then. Yeah, but you're going to get no notification. They're just going to appear. Probably. They will. Oh, they'll appear. Just appear. They'll appear right up you. So, uh, yeah, for the last time for a while, I've been Harrison Hunt. I've been James Clark. I remember that 20 Ds, I'd fucked it up. Goodbye, everyone. Yes! <laughs> That's <laughs> fitting. That's fitting.